Dear congregation, wait, let me, let me try this again. Beloved brothers and sisters, um, I'm not sure. Let me try something else. Okay. Uh, hey, good to see all y'all. Yeah, I, I can't. I don't think I can pull that off. I need boots. It's not, it's not always that easy to land a greeting, right? It, there's a lot to a greeting. I feel like it's something of an, of an art form because there's a lot at play in a greeting. There are cultural and contextual cues and expectations. There's language. There is the nature of the relationship between you and whomever you are greeting. And all of that, ideally, should coalesce into a perfect greeting. And navigating all of that can be very tricky. It's not always very straightforward. In Brazil, where I come from, for example, there is the issue of the number of kisses. Unless it's a very formal setting or a work setting, it is quite common in Brazil to greet each other with a kiss on the cheek or sort of a like cheek-to-cheek, semi-kiss kind of thing, right? The trouble, though, is getting the number of kisses right. Because in some areas of Brazil, you give one kiss, and that's it. And it's straightforward. Hand on the shoulder, give one kiss, greet it, fine. But in other areas of Brazil, it's two, and in some areas of Brazil, it's even three. And how do you know? It's not that straightforward, right? So there's always, when you meet someone from a different area of Brazil or somewhere else, there's always this awkward little sort of dance, neck dance thing while you try to figure out if you go for the second and the third kiss or not. How is this exactly going to work? Then I moved to Norway, and I figured this, this should be easy, right? A good Scandinavian stretched arm, you know, handshake thing should get me covered. But then I ended up in an international church, and God knows who's going to walk through those doors and how I'm supposed to greet them. You would think that the corona pandemic would have made that easier, right? Social distancing and all of that, any form of contact reading would be off the table. But then people came up with the elbow greeting. Did you guys have that? Like the elbow greeting thing? And in some places, even the foot greeting. And I I feel like I needed something like a flow chart. You know, like, what do you do to greet people when you meet them, to sort of navigate the complexity of all this thing? And then there's writing. And it's also not easy and straightforward. When you're going to greet somebody in writing, in an email, 12 years in Norway, and I still struggle to write a work email. Mainly because I still can't get over the fact that I should address an email to my boss or some other clearly important person by writing, hi. I mean, what, what is that, right? Hi, Ruald. I am leaving on vacation today. I'm going to be somewhere in the mountains out of any sort of digital communication. I'll see you in three months. Right? A friendly greeting. Bye. What is that? I would never write an email like that in Brazil to my boss. It would just not work. And I do now understand nowadays why it is like that in Norway. And 
just so that said, I actually very much appreciate the Scandinavian work ethics where hierarchy is sort of a functional thing and not a personal thing. Uh, and I, I, I get it, but I still find it difficult to just write hi. It's, it's because there is a lot in a greeting. There's a lot in a greeting. So when Isaac contacted me, you know, preparing worship, he knows what the text is going to be, and he contacted me just to double check that the Bible reading for today was right and said something on the lines of, you know that those first five verses, they're just a greeting, right? And I said, I went all ballistic on him. Well, a greeting, just a greeting? What do you mean by just a greeting? It's a greeting. There's everything in a, in a greeting. I'm kidding, though. I, I hope I answered nicely and politely, Isaac. And I'm not surprised he asked because our Bible reading for today is indeed just a greeting, just a greeting. But we will see that there is a lot to that greeting. And it is a greeting from the letter of Paul to the churches in Galatia. And today we are actually starting a series of preachings on the letter to the Galatians. And we will start with a greeting, right, with Paul's greeting. And this is how it goes. And I'm reading from the NRSV translation today. I hope you've got that right there, but it's not too different if it's NIV there. We'll see. And it says, Paul, an apostle sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to set us free from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, this is just the greeting, the opening piece of Paul's letter. But it is so much more than that. And in fact, I will not even manage to address everything there is to this greeting in the time that we have here today. Because in this greeting, Paul is already saying a lot. In this greeting, Paul has, in a sense, already said his piece. What he's getting at with the whole letter. He has already started with the conclusion. Or perhaps we might say that with this greeting, he has laid the groundwork for the theological and the relational arguments that he's going to build hereafter in the rest of this letter to the Galatians. A greeting, I, as I mentioned before, it says something about the nature of the relationship between you and whomever you might be greeting. I don't greet a stranger the same way I greet my mother. There's something there. And here Paul is saying the most important thing about the nature of his relationship with those he is writing to. And he is also laying a deep relational foundation for both, for all of them to stand on together. But a step at a time. First, let me tell you about the one on this side of the greeting, right? Paul, the one who is doing the greeting. So who is Paul in a nutshell for those of us 
who maybe don't know or need a refresher, it's always good to have a refresher. So Paul was a zealous Jewish learned man. And he was very zealous about his faith. He was very earnest about it. So that as a Jew, he studied as much he could, as he could under the best known people, went deep and hard and figured out within the framework of his faith tradition that these Christians were a problem. That these people who are going around now starting to follow this new rabbi guy from Galilee called Jesus and started affirming that he was the son of God and was the Messiah and that he resurrected, this thing didn't square with his theology. It was dangerous for the nation. It was dangerous for the position that they had in the Roman Empire at the time. So Paul, who was a very intense guy, went full on against these Christians. And Paul became a persecutor. He was known as Saul back then, became a persecutor of the Christians. And what he did was he would go around trying to catch Christians on the act, getting letters that would allow him to get them arrested, to get them persecuted. He even went so far as being a learned Pharisee, being the witness at whose feet people would lay their cloaks when they stoned Stephen to death. That's what they would do. When they were going to stone somebody for blasphemy, they would lay their cloaks and their stuff at the feet of somebody who had authority and knowledge of the law, and Paul is there witnessing it, giving his stamp to it. That was Paul. But then Paul has an encounter, or we'd maybe say Paul is encountered by. He doesn't go looking for it. He's on his way to Damascus trying to do his thing, doing what in his mindset at the time was the best he could do, and he is met by a blinding light. And from the light, the voice of Christ, the voice saying to him, Lord, why are you persecuting me? Or Paul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who is it? Who is this Lord? And he says, I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. It's wonderful, power text, powerful text. To begin with, Jesus is saying, I am the one whom you are persecuting, right? When Jesus is persecuting all of these, when, when Paul is persecuting all of these Christians. And Paul realizes that he got it wrong. That if this Jesus was indeed the Messiah, the Son of God, and he had indeed resurrected from the dead, then this whole thing turned around. And once Paul became convinced that Jesus had indeed resurrected and was indeed the Son of God and the Messiah, he understood Christ's resurrection to be the dawn of a new reality, a new age in which all would be reconciled to God. Both Jews and Gentiles, which is the, the word we find in our English translations for non-Jews, that all were, were walking, this was the dawn of an age in which all would be reconciled to, Jesus Christ, to God through what Jesus Christ had done. And I'll go more into all of that some other day, but as soon as Paul realized this, he redirected all of that intensity that he had, and he redirected that towards announcing this gospel of Jesus Christ, gospel which means good news, good news, 
this good news of Jesus Christ with this message of profound reconciliation. And in fact, being again a very intense guy, he started traveling to do this in what came to be known as his missionary journeys. And one of the places that he went to early on in this endeavor was the Roman province of Galatia. There's different discussions about where exactly this is that isn't really important for us today. But he went to a region called Galatia, Roman province of Galatia. And churches, that is to mean gatherings of followers of Jesus Christ, emerged from Paul's preachings in Galatia. He shared this new message, this good news. People listened, people believed, people start gathering as communities of faith around that belief, and churches emerged. Now, they, these churches are the ones on the other side of this greeting, right? Who is greeting whom? Oh, he's greeting these churches in Galatia. But this is some years later. Now, Galatia was not Israel. And what I mean by that is that Galatia was not Jewish territory. There were certainly Jews there as there were spread throughout all provinces around Mediterranean at that time and into South, yeah, all through the, the area. But this was Gentile territory. And these churches that emerged from Paul's preaching in Galatia, they had a majority of non-Jewish believers. So this is who Paul is writing to. Now you know something of the one greeting, Paul, and you know something of the ones who are being greeted, which are these churches in Galatia. But if we want to better understand the profound intensity of Paul's greeting and of this letter, and we will see as we go on next week that it's a kind of an angry letter, but we'll see that to understand that we need also to know something of the context of why he is writing this letter and why he is writing it now. So in a nutshell, what happened is that sometime after Paul had left Galatia and these communities of faith had started gathering, other teachers, other people came from Israel, from the Jews, and there was a section, there was a subsection of Jewish believers that believed that in order to be a Christian, you needed to first become a Jew. That believed that Jesus was a Jewish Messiah, and therefore you needed to become a Jew in order to become a Christian, and therefore you needed to assign to all the Jewish law corpus and be circumcised as the mark of belonging to the people so that you could be a Christian. Now this has to do with a lot of things, it has to do with theological issues, it has to do with legal issues of the Roman Empire. It's very complex, but the thing is, these people came and told and were telling the, the believers in Galatia, what you have and what you know is not enough. You don't yet belong. In order to belong, you need to do this and this and this. You need to ascribe to all of these laws, purity laws, fellowship laws, and you need to be circumcised. And they were saying this to non-Jews. And that's very important because Paul had no pickle with Jews being Jews and following Jesus. He had no issue with Jews being circumcised and following Jesus. This was not what this was about. 
But these were Gentiles. So it is not merely to the churches in Galatia, but it is to the churches in Galatia as they struggle with this issue that Paul writes. And it is an issue that is a profound issue of belonging, of who belongs and of who and or what gets to have a say about who belongs. And as Paul greets them, he affirms his authority as an apostle. And, and it might seem like he's using the pastor card, you know? <laughs> he's using the religious authority card. He's using the hierarchy card. But I would argue that he does, does this not to affirm his position over them, but to affirm his position with them. That he does this to point to the authority of Christ and to essentially say, this is not about what religious authorities say and do or demand that you say or do. This is about what God has said and done in Jesus Christ. Again, essentially to say this is not about what religious authorities have said or done or said that you should say or do. This is about what God has said and done in Jesus Christ. Paul, an apostle, sent not from man, nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Never mind all of these hierarchies that we have set for ourselves. I'm talking about what God has done and asked that I share with you. And then he anchors that further by saying, Paul, an apostle, sent not from man nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God, the Father raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me. He anchors his authority in this community. I, Paul, am writing you this based not on any human authority I might have called upon, but solely on this sending from God the Father and Jesus Christ. And I, Paul, write together with all my brothers and sisters, for in this we are one. What God has done for me in Jesus Christ, he has done for them so that we write as brothers and sisters. And I find this a genius greeting from Paul. Because he is at the same time affirming his authority to write. He is the one who had brought the message to them. He knew his stuff. He is at the same time affirming his authority to write, which might be the grounds upon whom we listen to people. But he is also making it clear that that authority matters only insofar as it points to the authority of God and Christ, and that it is the, that authority, not Paul's own, that defines the belonging. And then, he goes on, right? He says, and the language here is the thing, right? Let me just find it here. He goes on and he says, 
to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. See how he opened up? How he suddenly embraces, right? God the Father whom sent Paul to share the gospel of reconciliation is in that greeting, God our Father. Not because of Paul's authority, not because of what Paul has done, not because of whatever the Galatians had done or thought they should do, but because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And with that, Paul's greeting is an invitation. It is an invitation into a language, into an experience of community of of faith and a into an era of divine revelation in which God in himself creates creates an us into which we may come and where we may belong. Paul starts by speaking of being sent by God the Father and Jesus Christ, and moves into saying, I greet you in the name of God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. It is done. And Paul is going to go. He's going to go on, right? We're going to talk about this letter for weeks. He goes on. He goes on talking about the issues. He goes on addressing the problem. He goes on talking about how these demands are essentially ungospeling the gospel. I know I just made that word up, but making it something else, right? But already in this greeting, he is sweeping the feet from under the whole argument and the whole issue that is going on with these false teachers. He's not playing their game. He's not going to come and say, okay, they had these set of demands. Let, you, let me tell you about mine and why mine are better than theirs and why I have more authority and you should listen to me, not to them. And through the letter, when Paul argues about his authority, it's about saying, <laughs> it's about pointing to the authority of God and saying, if, if my authority goes against that, don't listen to me. But definitely don't listen to them. Listen to God and what he has said of you already in Christ. And with his greeting, he's already establishing God our Father. And let us talk about what it means then to be this community of faith. Let us then talk about our disagreements. (laughs) Let us talk about how we figure this theology out. Let's talk about 
how this shapes us as a community of faith and how we have different traditions within this community of faith as well. And for the reality of the first century, and definitely for Paul's reality, this is very much so. Why we are Jewish followers of Christ and Gentile followers of Christ, and how can we be community together? That was the setting. Paul was never trying not to, to be a Jew. That was just not even close to the mindset of the time. But he had realized that he could be in community and fellowship and one with these Gentile believers because of what Jesus Christ had done and because Christ had indeed resurrected, was alive. And this new era of reconciliation with God for all had come. And he's announcing that. And he's saying, if we break that down, Christ died in vain. He says this in another letter, right? What a wonderful space of grace to walk into. And it's not naive. Paul's letter is not easy, Paul's letter to the Galatians. It's a difficult letter. It's a, it touches stuff. find out what does it mean that God has given himself for us and what does that us look like and what does it look like what does our greetings look like when we greet those who belong to the community to the family of faith when we greet those who don't and when we greet each other in a community like OIC, with so many different stories and traditions of faith, what does it mean to greet each other? What does it mean to meet each other in this space of grace and usness? That's another word I just made up. Created by God in Jesus Christ as we walk in faith with Him. I find our greetings can carry an invitation or they can be a closed door. I find that the way we meet each other can be an opening to an, um, uh, into an embrace or at least to a conversation. Or they can be a, a way of using our words to turn our backs. Can we walk in faith with greetings that welcome into the grace of God? And know that this will sometimes be difficult. This will mean working out. But there we have that kind of generosity of spirit and grace that we see in Christ. Paul has some hard work ahead in this letter. 
(laughs) God knows we have some hard work ahead. The world we live in is a world where the distances are both shorter and bigger than they had ever been. Or the nations meet in our streets and in these same streets we struggle to find common ground. And there's pockets of hatred that grow. There's lack of love. There's lack of understanding. There's lack of willingness. There's also spaces of grace. There's also spaces of beauty. If this greeting of Paul can challenge how we greet each other within a community of faith and also how we go around in the world, then I think it's good news. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you that you may know that he is gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards each and every one of you that he may bring you his peace. So go in the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and serve each other, serve the world, serve the Lord joyfully. Amen.